0: This is Archive Atlanta, episode 244, Alcahest Magazine. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. It's my last episode of 2023, and I thought why not take you along on a highly specific random rabbit hole that I've recently fallen into. And while I promise, I really do try to pick topics that are universally appealing, I always find myself drawn to the niches of history. And then I remembered, you know, this is my podcast. I can do what I want. Um, But seriously, I love this story about a literary magazine from the 1890s. I stumbled upon it completely by accident and I think the reason I love this story and kind of why it's like a symbol of what I do and why I love what I do is that with this one very you know small short story I learned about the history of American magazines, the Lyceum lectures like this American kind of enlightenment movement something about communes. Um, it was like this one way for me to get into a whole group of history that I had never really read about before. And then for me, it you'll see at the end, it just kind of ties into the future. The company that it forms is still in existence today. And then I also kind of love that too, of seeing how something can exist over a period of 130 years. Before we get into Atlanta history, we have to cover a brief overview of magazines. The first magazines appeared in France in the 17th century in the form of bookseller catalogs, essentially a collection of writing and reports taken from newspapers. In colonial America, magazines had a slow start because there was a lack of widespread literacy and not good printing technology. Many of the men that we call founding fathers were contributors to the country's first magazines, which by the year 1800 only totaled about 12. By 1825, there were about 100 magazines in publication, but the late 1800s is when we really see the explosion of the medium. We also see the birth of the specialized magazine, especially the literary magazine, which established the work of writers such as Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, and Mark Twain. The 1890s are considered the magazine revolution decade with the birth of mass market magazines. And they were all linked with things that were new in literature, art, and social and cultural movements. So things like the arts and craft movements, um, aestheticism, like new thought movements, social gospel, um, commune living, diet fads, you know, progressive stuff, just like all of these things that people were thinking about and debating, they were coming out and being printed in magazines. So the 1890s is where our story begins in Atlanta. John Young Garlington had worked on his college newspaper with Henry Grady, and he moved to Atlanta around 1895. In May of 1896, he launched the Alkahest. Alcahest is an Arabic word meaning universal solvent. The magazine was considered a little magazine, and that's actually the term. It's used to describe publications with non-commercial ends that sought to inform and influence their readers rather than being marketed for profit. The first of its kind was called the Chapbook, which was published in 1894 in Massachusetts, and Atlanta's Alcahest received glowing comparisons to the Chapbook. The magazine had a beautiful artistic cover, and inside were 32 pages of poems, essays, articles, and stories. The very first issue contained pieces on Southern history, a translation of an ode, and a story by Julian Harris, who was the son of Joel Chandler Harris. By the October issue, the cover art was by Julia Collier, future wife of Julian Harris, and the contributors were Marion Delana Daniel, Julian Harris, John Keely, Benjamin Wells, and Edwin Rockwell Austin. Now, what you can see as a listener is, is that in my notes? I started seeing women's last names change and other surnames repeated. And so, what happens in this group is they they basically just start marrying each other. Um, Collier married Harris, and Marion and Daniel would end up marrying Andrew McConnell, who I'll introduce shortly. Um, and then I think it was Marion's brother was also involved. Um, and I don't I don't usually take creative license with my research, but I imagine this group as like an 1890s version of a bunch of hippies or beatniks. Like They were young, they were progressive, they were artistic, but they also had this really weird, like a little bit of a culty vibe, which we'll also get into shortly. By the start of 1897, Atlanta boasted two more literary publications, The Sunny South and The Autocrat. The Alcahest was still the most popular and had expanded to 52 pages, and it touted 246 subscribers. Even with its popularity, this was not a money-making venture, and Garlington sold the magazine in the summer of 1897. John ended up moving back to South Carolina. He got into some kind of securities fraud drama and ended up in jail in 1913. But that's another podcast for another day. The man who would take over The Alcahest was Andrew McConnell. Born in Alabama in 1873, at some point he becomes a professor and he had published poems in the local Alabama papers. McConnell became editor of the Alcahess when it had 500 subscribers and just months later expanded it to 80 pages. He lectured across the Southeast and in the same year he actually spoke at Cox College, which was in the future college park. So here's where we pause briefly to talk about the Lyceum movement, uh, defined as a loose collection of adult education programs named for the classical Greek term. It hit the height of popularity in the post Civil War era. It was basically the primary factor in developing adult education in America. There were traveling lyceums in towns across the country. There was lectures, performances, um, class instructions, debates. And this is where people would see what we consider now very famous people speaking. So people like Abraham Lincoln, Mark Twain, Susan B. Anthony, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. McConnell was working as an agent for the Dixie Lyceum when he took on the role at the magazine. So in 1898, the Dixie Lyceum bought out the Southern Lecture Bureau, and it formed a cooperative stock company. He ended up marrying Marion Daniel, who was a prominent Atlanta woman that I mentioned earlier. Uh, They had a child. Actually, one died in infancy and another one who lived into adulthood. McConnell, like... Yes, he was a writer or he was a poet. Uh, He took the magazine seriously, but he really used the Alcahest as a base to start the Atlanta Lyceum, which he formally incorporated in 1900 along with his brother in law. In 1902, McConnell incorporated the Alcahest Home and Printing Company and shared that the magazine was planning to establish a socialistic community somewhere in the Atlanta suburbs. So this is. In the paper, basically, the reporter quotes him verbatim on a lot of this. Uh, McConnell says that the group will have three families and four to five single people and will be modeled after the Roycroft community in East Aurora, uh, up in New York, or Ralph Waldo Emerson's Brook Farm. He also stated that they wanted to operate a working college and a small farm. And so they go out and they actually purchase what was called the Bob Collins estate or the Bob Collins house, which is in what today is Ormwood Park. And so the very next article in the paper, like the next day, it's like, no, 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 no socialist. No, misprint, misprint. They are, this is not socialism. Um, so I don't know the whole story here, but I tend to lean towards believing McConnell's initial interview. And then the subsequent articles are like damage control PR. Um, either way, the company they incorporate... It really only has three people. It's Andrew McConnell, his wife, Marion, and S.R. Bridges. And these newer articles, again, that come out after this whole like commune article, says, no, no, you know, they just want a place to publish the Alkahest magazine, and they want to operate a printing, bookbinding, and publishing establishment. What's really weird is that all mentions of the Collins property, this Alkahest home, as it was called, disappear. By the end of 1902. So it never takes off or it, it really never becomes what they thought it would be. In 1905, Andrew McConnell resigned and S.R. Bridges was elected president of Alkahest. Now McConnell's mental health was not Good. He spent a short time in an institution. He got out about a year later. But by 1911, his wife and child were living in New Jersey. I think he had been living in Chicago. And in December of that year, he shot his wife in the neck. She survived. She was able to explain to police that it was because she would not give him a divorce. Uh, McConnell, he was kind of like on the run for a couple days. Turned himself in, openly confessed to the crime, um, really showed like no remorse. He said or he told police that it was an elaborate scheme by his wife to keep him away from things or away from people, away from success. Needless to say, he was institutionalized again. He actually ended up dying in the New Jersey State Mental Hospital in 1950. Okay, so back to Atlanta. It's 1905 and Bridges has just taken over. So let's talk about him. Samuel Russell Bridges was born in 1875 in Ellaville, Georgia. He studied at Emory as well as Columbia University. And while he was a writer himself, Bridges was running a Lyceum way back in 1899. He would turn the Alkahes magazine and Lyceum into a full-fledged promotional agency. The magazine published into at least 1905 from what I can tell in the papers, but after that time, it was really just the Atlanta Lyceum. And Lyceums were part of what is called the Chautauqua Movement, and that's really just another adult education movement that peaked in the late 1800s, early 1900s. These were mainly dominated by lectures, and it was actually later thought of as a competitor to vaudevilles. The Chautauqua brought entertainment and culture for the whole community with speakers, teachers, musicians, uh, preachers, and specialists of the day. By 1917, 2,000 Atlantans had purchased tickets to the Lyceum Course, which was like a series of shows and promotions. Through the Atlanta Lyceum, Bridges brought Harry Houdini to Atlanta in 1924 and Winston Churchill in 1932. And Churchill has apparently a great story. He shows up to Atlanta at his hotel with two quarts of liquor that he had gotten in Charleston, which, by the way, it's prohibition. And a lot of times during prohibition, homemade alcohol could be deadly. So he asks Bridges to have the liquid tested to make sure it's not poisonous. Bridges does that. He actually finds out it's mildly poisonous and he comes back to the hotel to tell Winston Churchill and finds him drunk. He had already drank both of them. So he actually ended up having a call from medical care uh, before his lecture. And later in Bridges' obituary, um, it is stated that he saved Winston Churchill's life. Also, I think in 1934, he had Amelia Earhart visit Atlanta, um, along with many, 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 many other people that just wouldn't be familiar sounding names to you today. Bridges eventually formed the Alcahest Celebrity Bureau and managed speaking tours for Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, Woodrow Wilson, and Warren Harden. Franklin Delano Roosevelt actually promised he could handle his speaking engagements If he didn't go into politics and he was elected governor of New York just months later. He also brought to Atlanta Prince William of Sweden, Enrico Caruso, Will Rogers, W.C. Fields, three different US presidents, and booked the controversial William Jennings Bryan Clarence Darrow debates. Bridges died in 1960. His son ran the company, later his grandson, and it still exists today, I think run by a family member under the name Alcahest Artists and Attractions. So there you have it, the story of Atlanta's first literary magazine and the rabbit hole that it took me into. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review or if you listen to the podcast, you can also support the show um, with a link in the show notes. I hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next year.